When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Now launching Mackie and Judd We get things rolling with the opening bell Want to ring the bell? Down and goal from the three Little shovel to Kamara And he will bend his way into the end zone for a touchdown Come back and diving into the end zone goes Kamara for the touchdown. A lot of really good things out there tonight. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some of the turnover and the fumble right before the half, and then the, the interception for the touchdown kind of kind of put us behind the eight ball. But uh, you know, I thought we battled. I thought there, there was a lot of awful good things offensively. They really didn't sh- slow us down at all. Uh, we moved the ball well uh, defensively, other than the, the wildcat throw. Thought we took away the big plays pretty well and um, you know just didn't get the job done. Trying to pull off the two for one score at the end of the half and get the ball to start the third quarter. Pass caught by Thielen. Uh-oh. And he loses the ball at the 13-yard line. And it's picked up. If it's a live ball, and it appears to be at this particular point, you got Lattimore coming the other way, and he'll take it to the 32-yard line. Obviously, that's uh, probably the biggest reason we lost the game um, when you're having the momentum going into the half um, you're going to score points and then you get a chance to get the ball in the second half uh, that's, that's a huge play and can't happen and um, obviously I'm going to take ownership of it and uh, um, obviously uh, not happy about it uh, but I'm going to try to try to keep uh, doing what I uh, can do to help this team win a little bit let's run a bit yeah, they throw it the third most in the league on a percentage basis Uh-oh. and that's by P.J. Williams, uncontested to the end zone. Well, we'll go back and talk about it internally. Um, at the end of the day, it was just an unfortunate play. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's how this game is played. You can do a lot of good things, but, um, you know, we define critical errors as turnovers, fumbles, interceptions, occasionally a sack. And, um, you know, critical errors really end up determining outcomes of games and seasons. And so we're always trying to avoid those while still being aggressive and still being explosive and trying to go make plays. So that finding that balance is something we'll always um, continue to coach and work towards, and and, um, and so you know that was certainly a, a play that had a big impact on the game. He stopped Bo Kirk, or what? What transpired on that play right before he threw the pass? Because it looked like he stopped the route. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing it, so like I'm not watching the replay or anything. So you guys know better than me. Did you see him stop? It looked like there was a lineman. Yeah, yeah. I'm just you know I'm I'm uh, just playing the play fast and. Um, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it internally as to what we got to do. You know, I specifically remember a play, and it's all on me. You know, uh, 
I was trying to relieve him. He's saying I should have just did what I'm, what I'm coached to do instead of stopping. Guy got an easy pick, touchdown, you know what I'm saying? And Stephon, what, yes, what, what didn't make you stop? Uh, he was under duress, you know what I'm I was trying to give him a relief throw, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just because, you know, I didn't know pocket was collapsing. I was just trying to give Sean my hands, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and he just did what he's supposed to do, threw it to the spot, and miscommunication especially. And I take full responsibility. So, so. did you see like a window where he? Yeah, could have but it, he did everything right. It was all on me. And there it was, the story right there, in about uh, six or seven sound bites, Manny Hill, of the Vikings' loss to the Saints last night. Now, let me start off with why I think Zim was in such a bad mood yesterday and today, and okay. why, and why I think that this is for as much as they for as much as the Vikings did exactly what they did in the 2009 NFC title game, which is they won the box score. And for as much as they're going to rely on telling you that and that they did a lot of things very well, the disturbing thing about this 10-point loss is, very simply, your best players cost you this football game. Yeah. Thielen's fumble changed the entire tone of this game late in the first half. And then Cousins' pick, I don't care who you want to blame. You can blame Diggs. You can blame Cousins. You can say that Diggs uh, cut off his route, which he told the media last night that he did. You can also turn around and say that that pass never should have been thrown by a veteran quarterback. But your best players cost you that game. This would be an easy conversation if we were to sit here today and say, geez, Manny, last night, you know what? Drew Brees picked apart Holton Hill. Xavier Rhodes was out, and and Holton Hill just got lit up by Drew Brees left and right. Mm -hmm. But Drew Brees was held to 120 yards passing, one touchdown, and his first pick of the season. The 120 yards passing, I found this stat this morning uh, in a story I I read by our guy Seifert, is the lowest total for any full game that Drew Brees has played with the Saints since he signed there, got there in 2006. This is his 13th year with the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, think about that for a second. Yeah, The Vikings also were without five starters, including three, Barr, Rhodes, and Sandejo on defense last night, and they outgained the Saints by 153 yards. Your quarterback passed for 359 yards. This was, box score-wise, the exact same thing. If I gave, Very if similar, I, yeah. If I gave you this box score on Friday afternoon... And I didn't give you the score, and I gave you Breeze's passing statistics, how Cousins did, the first downs, the yardage, and I told you, Manny, the Vikings are going to outgain the Saints by 153 yards. <laughs> and I had told you that at 315 on Friday, what would you have told me? I would have told you how much did the Vikings win by. Absolutely. That's what I would have asked you. Absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's why this loss is disturbing, though. This loss is disturbing because of the nature and how you lost to a team. And keep in mind, the Vikings still, as we sit here now, eight games into the 2018 season, have not beat a team currently that has a record above 500. They have not beat a winning team yet. This was your chance last night to define yourself as being in that, I wouldn't say the Rams stratosphere, but you had a chance to put yourself right in the conversation with the Saints and the one, two, three pecking order in the conference, I think easily, if the Vikings had won this game, which they could have done, would be Rams, Saints, Vikings, or Viking Saints. How would you? Let me ask you this: How would you? How would you have felt after this loss if they had not lost to Buffalo? Because <laughs> if, if you don't lose to Buffalo, you're five, two, and one. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like and. You would have lost this game last night, but you're thinking, okay, well, they're still they still have a pretty good lead on the division, and 
you know, obviously they showed that they can play with the Saints. This is, you know, they showed that last year's Minneapolis miracle wasn't a fluke, that they can actually beat this team and outplay this team. You know, they just turned the ball over a couple of times and ended up being the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. But now, again, and, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but you go back to that Buffalo game and now they're 4-3-1. and one. This division is going to be a dogfight with the Packers and maybe the Bears, depending on how Trubisky goes the rest of the way. And that's why make this loss last night kind of hurts a little bit more because you already have that loss at home a few weeks ago to Buffalo that you sh- that there was just no excuse for. And now your 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 margin of error with the schedule coming up with you know you got New England coming up, you got big division games with the Lions and Bears coming up, you got one more with the Packers coming up. Your margin for error has gotten has gotten a little bit slimmer with the loss last night. I feel like the 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 uh, three consecutive wins: Philadelphia, Arizona, and then the Jets erased Buffalo for me, mm-hmm. and very much set this team up to go into Sunday night's game against the Saints and establish: okay, this is who they are. Yeah. And now I still can't tell you. I still can't tell you, and and it would be, I, I can't emphasize this enough. If the conversation was about you were missing three defensive starters and Drew Brees just came in here and passed for 415 yards and three or four touchdowns, I would say, okay, that's disturbing, but I'm not completely shocked. But when you're, what is the conversation when they signed Cousins? What is the conversation that we had? The conversation was, this offense now looks like it's good enough to hold up to hold up for a defense that can be outstanding, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe we all said this at the time because the one the one thing that you couldn't have from your offense was it can't sabotage you. It doesn't even have to necessarily win you games because the defense is that, but it can't lose you it games. Can't, it can't get you beat. And you know? and in a playoff like game last night against a a five and one team. It got you beat. And here's another source of my frustration today. Now, I tweeted about Cousins throwing that pick last night. And immediately got back a ton of responses. It's not his fault. Diggs cut his route off. Diggs said he did. All right. What does it really matter? Why are we defend? What is the need to defend Kirk Cousins here? Your key players lost you this game. You are so so what you feel better that Diggs cut his route off because that's what he said. And by the way, kudos to Stefan Diggs for stepping up because the quarterback didn't yes. do that last night. The quarterback didn't do that. This whole if I'm the quarterback and I go to that podium and I am the leader of this team, guess what? I might be lying through my teeth, but I get up there and say any interceptions on me because the ball's in my hands. And and before you before we all say Stefan Diggs cut off his route, which means that you're implying that one, he can't run his route perfectly. Well, the guy is fantastic at that. Or two, he just gave up. All right, let's go back on our mental, mental Vikings highlights. How many plays has Stefan Diggs quit on? Randy Moss quit quit. We've seen guys quit. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs and Thielen, they might screw up. They don't quit. But what is the need to defend Cousins? Folks, your star players lost you this game. Yeah. So while you're while you're tweeting back at everybody and saying it's Diggs's okay, it's Diggs's fault. It's you still know, a very big deal. If you think that you can win a Super Bowl, players that you consider to be your marquee players cost you that game. I don't care if it's Cousins or Diggs. And by the way, let's be honest, Cousins is a veteran quarterback. Eat that football. 
Watch that play and tell me that the tell me that the up upper five quarterbacks in this league wouldn't eat that football. You know, it's a three hour radio show, and um, so we got plenty of time. I mean, we're pretty much going to go wall to wall Vikings this afternoon, which we pretty much do every Monday. Um, so we got plenty of time, but I I can certainly get into the situation with the quarterback who I like and I'm and I'm high on. Um, but I'm just getting a little bit annoyed and frustrated with this this idea that we have to defend every time somebody says something about him that somebody has to swoop in and and defend him and say, oh, it's not his fault. And oh, but 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 look at look at the numbers that he's putting up. And I, I, I just I don't understand. Like, why can't we objectively analyze somebody? Why are we not allowed to do that? Kirk Cousins is is a good quarterback, but right. he's not perfect. And so why do we have to pretend like there's nothing wrong with what he's doing and every week he's played great and he's been outstanding and he's the best guy we've had in X amount of years since Favre was here or since Warren Moon was here or Fran Tarkenton and all that. Like, wh- wh- what has Kirk Cousins done? And he's, look, he's good. Okay, he's a good quarterback. But what has he done to make him immune to any form of criticism whatsoever? What has he done? And if you're a Viking fan, think about this for a second. Why are you defending him? Your team lost the game and your star players cost you that. So, so what, what, what the hell difference does it make right, if it, it makes was Diggs' fault? It makes absolutely stop the route or if it was Cousins' and, fault. Like the play was a bad play and it cost, it helped cost you the game. And three years and $84 million guaranteed was spent on him to, and I'll say this very slowly, win you a Super Bowl. Win That's why you, brought you him in. a Super Bowl. That's why you brought him in. That means the fumbling has to stop. That means if I am looking at a mess of players in front of me and the play is breaking down, I either eat the football or throw it away. I don't try and force it into digs, who maybe he did screw up too. But you were brought in to win a Super Bowl. And that is the most important thing that people need to keep in mind. You were not brought in to put up huge stats. And if you want right now, go to NFL.com or ESPN.com, Manny, and look at the passing stats around this league. Okay? Everybody's throwing the ball really well. They're out of control, which is, and, and that's what the league wants. That's fantastic. But Kirk Cousins was brought here. I don't care what whatever other station you're listening to. I don't care what you're reading. Kirk Cousins was brought here to win you a Super Bowl. And before you give me all of this BS about how you're defending Kirk Cousins and that Judd Zolget or Manny Hill or whomever else is too negative about this team, keep in mind, the team you follow, the head coach for since that game ended last night, has been in an awful mood. And he's trying to put a positive spin on things. He's He's trying his best. A lot of really good things out there tonight. Uh, you know, unfortunately, some of the turnover and the fumble right before the half, and then the, the interception for the touchdown kind of kind of put us behind the eight ball. But uh, you know, I thought we battled. I thought there, there was a lot of awful good things offensively. They really didn't sh- slow us down at all. Uh, we moved the ball well uh, defensively. Other than the, the wildcat throw, I thought we took away the big plays pretty well. And um, you know, just didn't get the job done. But the man wanted to puke last night, and there's a reason for that. 
<laughs> so let's let's all. I get it. I get, if you're a Vikings fan, I totally get that. I applaud it. You should be. But have a logical outlook about your arguments, and your cousin's point is. Exactly right. Just and, look at it objectively. And, There's nothing. To, what is wrong with doing that? And why is that so difficult? And keep keep reminding yourself he's here to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. He's not here to put up gaudy stats. If I see one more time, well, but look at the stats. And and he's the and as you said, he's the best thing since far. Oh, it's driving me crazy. Okay, you know That's what? That's driving me crazy. You know what? That's great. But right now, you're looking very much like a first round team. In the playoffs, I think it's still a playoff team. I'm pretty sure of that. That's going to be ousted quickly. So do you want it to change for the better? Or do you just want to pretend, do you want to wake up on Monday and pretend it's all well and good and look at the box score? The last time we looked at the box score after a Saints game and we all got excited, you had just lost the 2009 NFC title game, but you justified it by saying, look at all the yards, if it hadn't been for the fumbles. Well, last night, if it hadn't been for the fumbles, if it hadn't been for the pick, and Cousins almost fumbled again, and by the grace of God, his knee was down. You know, and I I made this point on Twitter last night. If Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls for the New York Giants, and he was the MVP in both Super Bowls, all right, he's been, he's had some really big-time clutch playoff performances for that franchise and he is arguably the greatest quarterback that franchise has seen at least in the modern era in the Super Bowl era I mean Y.A. Tittle and all that stuff we can go back to that era but in the last 25-30 years Eli Manning is arguably the best quarterback in New York Giants history it does not make him immune to criticism at all why why does why should why should anything differently be applied to Kirk Cousins? Well, and my my question for Vikings fans is okay, so you want to blame Diggs. Why does that make you feel good? You lost the game. Yeah. Your key your quarterback and your two star receivers all played a very, very important role in you losing by ten points to a team that you should have or at least could have beaten at home. So what's the consolation there? That's my question. Uh, 651-646-8255. We can certainly do some uh, Day After Vikings event line. 651-646-8255. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie will uh, join the show at 4 o'clock. Until then, it's Zolgad and Manny Hill. And when we come back, we'll take some phone calls, and we'll also have some Packer event line because things aren't anywhere near as bad here as they are there. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35W southbound. We've got a crash uh, in Minneapolis between 35th and 36th. Uh, it's, it's got the roadway reduced down to one lane. And so we're looking at about an extra 18 minutes to your commute. So, uh, beware of that. If you're headed, uh, southbound on W through Minneapolis, Judd. Go, Matt, go. Well, I can't believe how dumb McCarthy is. I mean, you tell your guy to take it in the end zone and take a knee and let your quarterback try and win the game for you. I don't know. I think McCarthy just gave the game to the Rams. 
we we lost the game when Mike McCarthy refused to run the ball on that third down situation, third and two. In my mind, I said, man, we just lost the game at that point. It was just clear to me. I said, hey, you came out slamming, you didn't do it, and then the second point, I'll hang up and listen to your call. Ty Montgomery, there again, take, not taking a knee. You know we had the game won. If you would have got the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hand, I, I was confident, no problem. Crosby field goal, story in the tunnel. You t- Our problems ain't nothing compared to Green Bay's. That's the one good thing. That's the one good thing. This has to be it for Mike McCarthy, right? Ty Montgomery, I guess, was told, get the ball, take a knee in the end zone, touchback. We'll start at, we'll start at the 25, and we'll take our chances with one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play yeah, the game. Let our guy go win the game. But Ty Montgomery, evidently, in an earlier offensive series shortly before that, had been taken out and flipped out on the sideline and melted down. So he was told that. He thought, okay, sure, uh-huh. Went back on the field and fumbled the ball. And McCarthy's mm-hmm. also the guy who, if I'm not mistaken here, called the uh, play from in the end zone, running up the middle against Indomitian and Sue and the Rams. And the running back was promptly stuffed for a safety. This has to be it, right? I I think so. I mean, this is what year thirteen for him because he was hired the same year as Tilly, right? Correct. Or six. Correct. And yeah, I mean, they it, he, I, I mean, to be honest, the only reason why I think he's been the coach this long is because of the Super Bowl win. Yeah. You know, you win a Super Bowl that that buys you a lot of time in in most in most cases, um, and but now it's like you're you're looking at multiple. NFC championship game appearances and not showing up. I mean, the last NFC title game they were in, they got blown out by the Falcons. Then you had the one two years before that where Brandon Bostic fields an onside kick. They probably go to the Super Bowl and, and play the Patriots. And Rodgers can't stand him, right? I mean, there's nothing no, at, this that, po- that, at this point in time. Yeah. That, that's a given. But you remember after, the, after that NFC championship game when they lost to Seattle, Rodgers was supposedly upset because they got down by the goal line and I think he wa- he wanted them to go for it on fourth and goal at like the one or something, and they ended up kicking the field goal. And Crosby ended up kicking a bunch of field goals in that game instead of instead of them getting touchdowns. And Seattle obviously came back and won that game in overtime. So there was like that sort of little thing where Rodgers wasn't up was was not happy with like the play calling or the decision to not. And go he long hasn't thought that Mike has done a good job calling plays. And yesterday when you have Ty Montgomery bringing the ball out of the end zone after being instructed not to, and last I saw he's not been cut yet today. You basically have a mutiny on your hands. That's that's gutsy by Ty Montgomery to do that. Like to be told he's a nice player, to but be, to be told to do something like that and then just deliberately not listen to your head coach. And it's one thing back in the day, let's say Percy Harvin had did that to Ponder, right? And you'd be like, well, that probably wasn't really that smart, but it was Ponder, right? And so Percy's like, bleep this, I'll just try and, we, and do it myself. I and fu- we know Percy history, yeah. Historically speaking, Percy has the ability to bring it out and take it sure to the house and make something happen. But you've got. Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Right. And you do, do that. Uh, let's get back to a couple of Vikings things here. They will. And Cousins will fire, and that is incomplete. Lattimore breaks it up, intended for Treadwell. What went into your decision to go for it on the fourth and one at your own 45 there? Um, told 
told the team that I was going to be aggressive. And every fourth down was close, we didn't go for it. Didn't work out. So, Explain the DiFilippo and Zimmer play calling combination last night to me, Manny Hill. Because I was weird in some spots. Because I'm very confused, and, and and I'll preface this by saying, so for all those people who think, ah, oh, Judge just being negative again, we watched Pat Shermer have a phenomenal play calling year in 2017. He was great. Red mm-hmm. zone, he was great. That was one of the first years where I've seen play calling and thought there might be one or two sort of questionable, but this guy is. Beyond question, he's so good. Got him a head coaching job. Yep, yep, it did, and he. I'm he sure might, he might not surprise. He might not survive that head coaching job, but it got him a head coaching job. And I'm sure it's safe to say that he now regrets that it got him that job because that Giants <laughs> job is an absolute hellhole. Right. Um. But but Zimmer just addressed. So it's the Vikings' first drive of the third quarter. It's fourth down, and Cousins throws a pass to of all people Laquan Treadwell, who by the way at the end of the Thielen run had taken a 15-yard penalty that should have got him benched, and it mm-hmm. didn't, and I don't know why. Uh, but as we went back and saw Robinson and Thielen, Robinson is wide open underneath the Treadwell route, so he could have caught the ball and basically fallen down first down. Thielen, as you pointed out on a screen grab, is covered by a linebacker. That was one. At the end of the first half, with two timeouts, you get the ball back in your own territory, granted, and you decide instead of trying to get the ball downfield, perhaps set up a long field goal attempt or something to end the half, that you're just going to allow the clock to expire. Yep. And then there was the play with 5.56 left in the second quarter when on second and 25, <laughs> and our guy Sam Munson told us Friday that if you're a head coach and you do this, you should be fired. It's a freaking terrible idea. That's Se- what Sam said, right? Second and 25, and you give the <laughs> ball to poor C.J. Ham. So when Zimmer says this... What went into your decision to go for it on the fourth and one at your own 45 there? Um, told the team that I was going to be aggressive. Every fourth down was close, we didn't go for it. Didn't work out. So The aggressiveness was certainly in display on that play, but it was very in and out. And I don't understand with the clock winding down in the first half and you've got a quarterback who you're paying $84 million guaranteed to, and you've got Thielen and you've got Diggs, why wouldn't you take a couple shots and two timeouts? You know, and and we kept kept hearing that, you know, Zimmer kept saying, like, well, Thielen, you know, Thielen, because Thielen had the fumble, and, you know, all we heard after the game was, well, that doesn't happen very often, and that's just kind of an uncharacteristic play. So... Why would you? It's almost like they were assuming that it would happen again. Like Thielen would catch another ball and fumble again. Well, or and something. he did. And and in a very brief answer in his post game, Zimmer was asked about did the Thielen fumble impact your decision? Yeah, it was Andrew Kramer who asked him that question, I think. And Zim said yes. So he acknowledged that, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. That's an emotionally driven decision that doesn't make a lot of sense. Because I thought you were trying to be aggressive. Well, and and but <laughs> okay, but if your quarterback, let's go back again. Let's say your quarterback is Christian Ponder, and and you know you've got Michael Jenkins or something. All right, I sort of get that. Big play is probably not in the cards. Right. But you've got you've got Thielen, you've got Diggs, and you've got Cousins, and I'm just talking about taking a couple shots to attempt to set up a field goal or something. Right. I don't get that. 
And I really don't get, and I have no idea if this is on Zimmer, the OC, the quarterback, a combination. I don't understand on the fourth down play how you end up going to Laquan Treadwell. When you got two other guys who are better wide receivers, who are both better wide Rob- receivers than him, Robinson, that are open. Robinson has better hands. You yeah. got three guys with better hands. So, and that was the easier throw. I know, and he could have fallen down Robinson with the ball. Robinson was the easier throw. That's what. That's why I'm asking the question. I don't get it. Yeah. I completely don't get that one. And Laquan Treadwell, that was the first series of the third quarter, correct? Laquan Treadwell should not have been playing. How do you not get yourself benched? The 15-yard penalty that he took for spiking his helmet at the end of the return after the Thielen fumble was stupidity at its finest. They, that are ball trying, was at the, they, are, they are trying whatever they can to get whatever they can out of that kid because they know that it's been a complete disaster since they drafted him. And they're trying to, I don't know, it, it seemed like they're just trying to force feed him to try and like get him going or whatever. But I, I just, but that's just stupidity. You, you just can't, you can't, you can't trust him right now. But you I just can't trust him. I could have seen, okay, let's go back and say that he takes a penalty for his tackling of the guy at the end of that run. And that's not very smart. But I get that. He took his helmet, the replay I saw, and just slammed it down, which you can't do. It was unnecessary. It was dumb. And that moved the ball from the Vikings 33. Where where this defense would have had a chance to hold you, mm-hmm. they moved it from the thirty three to the eighteen, and as far as I could tell, nothing happened to the kid. And think about that: instead of seventeen thirteen at the half, it maybe they hold the Saints to a field goal and it's thirteen all. Mm. Let's take a break. I come back talk to ESPN.com's Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. Mackie joins the show at four right now. It is uh, Judd and Manny. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. Trying to pull off the two for one score at the end of the half and get the ball to start the third quarter. Thielen, Uh and he launches the ball at the 13-yard line, and it's picked up. If it's a live ball, and it appears to be at this particular point, you got Lattimore coming the other way, and he'll take it to the 32-yard line. TCL Broadcast Studios, Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings, joins us now. And Courtney, I am going to read you a quote from last night's postgame from the Saints locker room, Cameron (laughs) Jordan. And I want your reaction to it, because this quote actually, to me, rings very true of what we saw last night and why I think why I think it's fair if you're a Vikings fan to be concerned. Cameron Jordan's quote, We were in a slugfest until the end of the third quarter, and then we felt them break. At some point, they didn't want it anymore. Now, that sounds harsh. That's, yeah. I well, think that's, it's accurate. I think, I, I think that quote very much, because after that Thielen play and fumble, it really felt like the pendulum completely swung towards the Saints, and it never, ever came close to going back to Minnesota. I laughed at the beginning there, just to clarify, because I figured you were going to read me the first quote on that sheet from Mike Zimmer that was a one-word response to a very complex question as to why they didn't go for it with 30 seconds left and two timeouts. But um, <laughs> I'll, live, I'll live with that in my own head, Judd. Thanks for we'll, not setting me up for success. We'll talk, uh, about but, Zim. we'll talk about Zim in one second here. 
to your point, I mean, that one, it was that one play that just broke the game wide open for the Saints. Um, Thielen's not a guy who ever really commits big mistakes like that. I mean, we're in the locker room praising him last week for, you know, seven straight games of 100 yards receiving, and he wants to talk about what we don't see and what we don't see him, you know, blocking. He messed up uh, his protection uh, in run blocking. Uh, on a second down from some, you know, some random second down in the Jets game, and he'd rather focus on that. So you can tell something like that happens. That's not a guy who can exactly just put that in the back of his mind and flush it right away. Um, he doesn't have short. I mean, you have to have short-term memory. I think that's probably something he struggles with because he's so perfect at you know his routes and route depth and the way he you know sells sells plays and just how he is able to make catches around PJ Williams' head. That that's just abnormal. I mean, he does. He has fumbled before. I think about the Detroit game last year. I think back before that to the Cowboys game in 2016. So it's not like it's a completely rare occurrence, but. That play broke them. I really do believe that, and it wasn't. It didn't have to. I mean, it was certainly the dagger there, and and I do believe that the Saints were eventually going to score. But it was an unleashing of frustrations with Laquan Treadwell then subsequently taking his helmet off and slamming it into the ground. Yep. That gave them a 15-yard penalty that set up the Saints to score two plays later. Later, and then Kirk Cousins, which. Um, you know, he got lucky that that fumble was negated uh, because he was down, but then a couple plays later throws the interception because Stephon Diggs stops running on a route. Um, there's a lot of miscommunication, you know, on, that was a lot, that was a, the product of a lot of miscommunication there, but, you know, other areas you can just point to one play, and it wasn't the missed field goal that came back, the missed uh, extra point that came back to haunt him. It was that one play by Thielen that uh, completely let the air out of that side of the of the stadium. And I think there's so many things you can point to, though. It wasn't just that. It was the fact that they didn't take a shot before halftime. And obviously Mike Zimmer's going to take the temperature of the sideline. He saw something in that moment that said, uh-uh, we're not going to go for it here. Uh, this is they're, they're, I need to get these guys in the locker room. We need to regroup. But it all started with one play with one eleven left, and it points to you know just how unsuccessful this team has been with two-minute drives so far this season. It's a microcosm of, in my opinion, a much bigger issue. Why is the head coach of this football team so concerned if you guys are tweeting during press conferences now? That was an all-timer today when he talked to you about how if what if there's a profession in life that should never tell other human beings what's rude and what's not rude, it's a head football coach. I have the sound. I have the, I have oh, the sound right here. Go Hang ahead. On. I'm gonna come in here and tweet this, tweet that, whatever. My daughter wanted me to put on the shirt. That is that's unbelievably rude, but that's okay, I guess. That's what you guys do. What that is be wrong? Not, you know what else is unbelievably rude? I was in the middle of asking a question. Not yes, sure, you were. And I, and I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but that irritates me. I was in the middle of asking a question about Pat Alfine, uh in just you know the, those two blocks that he took on on that 12-yard run by Latavius Murray. I mean, you're seeing the run game take shape, which I want to talk about football. I want to talk about scheme. I want to talk about tape. And then I was interrupted because of something like that. I think it's displaced. I think it's just displaced emotion. I'm sure he's exhausted. Um, you know, that was a really hard-fought loss for them last night, just to see things go so south uh, just and not be able to stop the gushing of blood that came out there uh, at the end of the first uh, half and then just trailed off throughout the rest of the game. But, yeah, I mean, it's um, another Monday in Viking land. Courtney, what was your reaction to Kirk Cousins' 
response to the the questions about uh, the pick six, where obviously it looked like Diggs stopped on his route, and I mean, you look at that play, and I mean, Stephon Diggs, to his credit, took you know he he took the blame for that, he accepted responsibility for it, but it seemed like Cousins just didn't really. It it, it seemed like he didn't really want to wear any of that responsibility himself, even though it was probably ninety percent realistically ninety percent on Diggs, but it just seemed like. Cousins was not really willing to take any responsibility for that play whatsoever, even though he's the quarterback and everybody's kind of looking at him still. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, some some truth to um, just the accountability factor of what we haven't seen yet. I mean, you see it with certain fumbles that, you know, others are correctable, others are not, and he doesn't want to talk about the ones that are not correctable. He wants to talk about the ones that are, and that's to, you know, that's to his, that's his prerogative. He can do that. Um, I think yesterday what he was trying to do, whether right or wrong, was not throw digs under the bus uh, in the media and say, well, yeah, you know, we're going to keep it internal, meaning he's going to have a conversation with Stephon Diggs as to what went wrong. Um, clearly it was a miscommunication. Diggs said as much. I think that it was admirable for Diggs to go up there and own it. I mean, Thielen owned his fumble. Diggs owned his, uh, you know, quitting on his route and dip your top two receivers. To me, that's setting an example for the rest of the team on how to handle this. Um, and then today, you know, I think the interesting part of the, the press conference today, or one of the interesting parts of all ten minutes of that, uh, was the fact that Zimmer said he doesn't want that from players. Like, I mean, it's not just, you know, he doesn't want his receivers to, you know, just to, you know, well, not one person loses, loses the game. That's, that's fair. But I think the accountability factor, if you're saying you don't want people saying stuff like that or owning it, then there's going to be a narrative out there that you do not want. I think that the chance that you have to mess with that is not a good one, and the outcome would not be good as well. All right, here's my theory. Because I heard that too, and I thought that seemed very odd. Uh, Mike seems like the type of guy who, if you sat down and and had a drink and asked him about what Diggs said, he he would say, that's why I love Diggs, because he owns his mistakes. Same with Thielen. Here's my my working theory, and and I brought this up with Kyle last night on the Purple Podcast, and it's evolving, so hear me out. Um, Mike had the ability to get up to the podium last year, and no matter what Case did right or wrong, Mike could rip him. Because Case was a journeyman veteran type of guy, and Case had put up with a lot of crap during the course of his career. And so if he said that he had a horseshoe up his behind, Case would be like, I might not like it, but whatever. I think Mike's difficulty right now and trying to call Diggs off from taking blame is he's got a kid gloves quarterback. And if he all of a sudden is like, I want guys to own it, well, guess who really doesn't? Kirk Cousins. So I I think what Mike's trying to deal with here is the best way to keep Cousins' dauber up as much as possible. And and if all of a sudden you've got everyone owning their mistakes and your quarterback isn't, that's going to look really weird. That's my two-cent theory. You know, it's it's not a bad one. I I see where you're coming from on that. Um, I think it's almost eight weeks in and and we're talking about accountability. That, to me, is a little worrisome. If, If it all boils down to one overarching theme of, accountability, some places it looks like it's being expressed, others where it isn't, um, that's concerning. And, you know, I think that, you know, there have been moments, I mean, I ask, I can think back to the uh, two-minute drive where they come out of a timeout and Kirk doesn't, you know, he can't, uh, I guess it get hit, gets hit for delay of game. And I remember asking him about it and said, yeah, that's on me. It's not a sideline error. It's not a miscommunication error. I have to be better um, in that situation. 
And you just take a look at across the league, whether good or bad, ugly or, or brilliant, quarterbacks tend to own the mistakes that are theirs and even the ones that are not. And I think that's where you can interject. We win as a team, we lose as a team. I mean, there's 22 dudes on offense and defense uh, that have to, you know, come together to win a game. It doesn't that one mistake by Adam Thielen didn't didn't make them lose the game. It was the catalyst. There's no denying that. But that one mistake right there with 111 to go in, in the second quarter did not did not cause them to lose that game right then. So I think that there is some. There's a kind of a weird, you know, tightrope that you're walking there with, you know, some guys saying, you know being completely upfront about it, wanting to own their mistakes, and others maybe not. But I think to to put that out there publicly to be like, no, we don't, you know, I don't, I don't want my guys saying anything about that. That's just not, I just don't think that's a good look at all. I think, I think you get into very dangerous waters by doing that. Courtney, is there an encouraging sign, though, from what we've seen with this defense the last three weeks now? Because, I mean, the – with the Cardinals and Jets, they were going up against rookie quarterbacks, and we saw, you know, Dick, or, um, Zimmer kind of took the little s- subtle side shot at the at Rosen and Darnold because they were rookies and going up against Breeze is that next step up and everything. But the Saints got 270 yards of offense last night, and now we're seeing three weeks in a row of uh, this defense holding teams to under 300 yards of offense. Is is that an encouraging sign now going forward that this defense? while they're banged up in some key spots that they can that they're kind of settled in and can kind of hold their own now? Sure. I think that the the play of Holton Hill and Eric Wilson, the fact that we're not talking about them much today, um, is a good sign because I think that you'd really be looking, especially a case like Holton Hill going against a guy like Drew Brees, they held him 120 yards passing and the team scored 30 points. I mean, that's the lowest of his career and he's been playing for a very long time. So I think that that's, there's, there's a lot of positives you can take away with that. Um, you're also looking at it, though, like what Breeze averaged, like, you know, just under 5.5 air yards a pass. Um, so it wasn't like they were not giving up big plays because there really weren't big plays to be given up. So it's not some of the same things that we've seen hurt this defense uh, the last few weeks. I think it was just a very different type of ball game. Um, they have a lot to hang their hat on, though. They In the second half, I mean, they, they controlled the bleeding as much as they could. The fact that they were able to hold Will Lutz to two field goals, um, you know, was really good after especially, you know, the one after the, you know, they score and then the, obviously the play after that to go up 30-13 uh, to 13 after the pick six. Um, I think it was, it was a good sign for this defense. But, you know, I think the matter here is, and, and I get the, um, you know, the from the fan base, they, they don't want to hear a lot of the, um, you know, they don't want to hear the negatives about Kirk Cousins. They don't want to hear the negatives about how this team, you know, is not looking like a high playoff contender or a deep playoff contender right now. Um, it's because you're not, they're not stringing the whole thing together. I mean, you get a great performance from the defense, um, you know, one week, and then you have a great performance from Kirk Cousins in the offense the next week. What is it going to take for this team to be able to put it all together? Um, I think we've really, honestly, only seen that in one game this year, and, and that to me was the Rams game. It was the uh, Eagles game. Football. Thank you, Courtney Cronin. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Check out Courtney's work. Uh, ESPN.com. She covers the Vikings. Also, you can hear her on the station with uh, with us for the football hour, 5 to 6 on Tuesdays, and then the Purple Hour, her and Matthew Collar uh, from 6 to 7. 
When we come back, Manny Hill, I am going to deliver some good Kirk Cousins news because there there were positives last night. There were positives. I actually found some. We'll talk about it next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. Uh, That crash on 35W has cleared out, so things uh, appear to be moving rather smoothly. In that area in Minneapolis, uh, 94 eastbound, we do have a stalled vehicle. A lane is blocked in St. Paul near Creighton Avenue, so prepare for an extra couple of minutes there if you're headed uh, eastbound on 94. Judd? Five wide here on second and seven. Cousins under pressure, throwing, and somehow that is caught by Stephon Diggs at the one-yard line. But this drive has taken a ton of time in a three-possession game. His Cousins flips it, caught, touchdown, deal it. All right. I promised you, before Phil joins, some good Kirk Cousins news. Manny Hill, here it is. Pro Football Focus uh, grade just came out. They send us some of the information immediately. Uh, what the email they sent out reads thusly. Kirk Cousins excelled in the face of frequent pressure against the Saints, finishing with an overall grade of 89. Cousins was pressured on 48.9% of his dropbacks, 22 of 45 last night, the second highest rate among quarterbacks in Week 8. When pressured, Cousins completed 15 of 18 passes, 15 of 18, for 216 yards and an interception. His grade under pressure was 92.2. PF. F didn't downgrade Cousins for the interception because his expectation that Diggs would continue on the route was reasonable. So anyway, this is not saying that Kirk Cousins, and I think people think that we are, that we're trying to spin it this way. This is not saying that Kirk Cousins is having a bad year. Statistically, he's having a very, very good year. Nobody wants him cut. Right. Well, but people think think we want that. People (laughs) think we want that. People think we want that. All we are talking about is what's it going to take? If you are going to make the step from 2017 and an appearance in the NFC title game, in which you were blown out, but you were still a 13-3 team, yep. and you signed this quarterback to a very rich free agent contract, and good for you for being aggressive. If you're going to take that next step, though, what do you need? And that, and that means you can't have the fumbles. And that also means that I think on the digs throw, you have to consider the situation and probably eat the football. But nobody, nobody is saying statistically this guy is not impressive. And and I've said every week, and I will say it again, he is an upgrade on Case Keenum. Mm -hmm. The Vikings made the right decision. That's what I said when they signed him. I still believe it. Now, are the weekly pitfalls at times a bit much to watch because there does seem to be a drastic mistake quite often? They're not great, but he's still a better quarterback than Keenum. And they still made the right move. And it doesn't mean that he should be immune to criticism. It doesn't mean that he should be savaged week in and week out and told, you know, and, and when he's discussed that he's terrible or that he should be cut or traded or anything. I mean, it's just there's just that happy medium of just objectively going by what you see. He's a good quarterback that makes really good throws. We've seen it already this season in Los Angeles, in Green Bay. This is mostly road games we're talking about, but we've seen him 
make some really good big boy, big time throws. But we've also seen him throw the ball backwards into the ground. Like, <laughs> let's just call it like like we well, like let's let's look at everything yeah. that we're seeing here, people. Yeah. Don't just look at the numbers and the stats and say, "Oh yeah, he's fine." We'll just ignore that. We'll just ignore the stuff that he's that he's doing. We won't watch. Or we won't. We won't. We won't pay attention to to the other things that he's doing. We'll just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen. So some people would like you to do. Yeah. TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie joins next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On fifteen hundred ESPN.